So, Berto, you're from another country other than the United States that's south of the border, right? Depends which way you're facing, but yeah. And you know enough about the country to be able to talk about whether or not there are a lot of therapists and counselors and psychiatrists. Your dad is a psychiatrist, right? Right. So I know there's at least one psychiatrist <laughs> in, in Colombia. But um, uh, listener Ricardo wrote in and wants to talk about how there aren't enough counselors in some countries. Oh, really? Like so, a shortage of, of counseling in different countries? Well, I guess we'll look into that. But first, let's introduce the podcast. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I am a projectionist. This is a email from listener Ricardo. He says, I live in Central America in a country where there's a lot of stigma around mental health issues. Usually professionals in the area are not that professional or competent at mental health. There's a very prevalent tendency to label everything as a depression or they go straight into medication. No one does real therapy or cares enough to really figure out what's going on. This is frustrating to me. The reason I stumbled across your podcast is because of this lack of understanding and it has led me to do my own research to find ways to better understand myself. I find comfort in knowing that there are people out there, such as yourself, who understand and seem interested in helping. Unfortunately for me, they all seem to be in other countries. I had to look for therapy outside of my country to get proper therapy. Berto, what do you think? That's interesting. You know, I, I remember as a kid... My dad was always very frustrated because I remember he would rail against um, a lot of the pseudo science or the pseudo therapy or because you know, there were a lot of homeop- homeopathy shops around and there were I think a lot of like new agey kind of things. <clears throat> Latin America being very uh, religious focused, there was also a lot of superstition. So you know a lot of uh, ghost stories and witch stories and go, uh, a lot of things about the mystical. So I think I remember him always being frustrated, almost to the point of feeling like a minority, you know, because he was actually like a trained doctor and he, you know, he had studied a science of mental stuff, whereas there were a lot of charlatans. And I remember him saying, you know, because we had relatives that would go to these places and whenever they would visit after they left, he'd be like, oh, I can't stand it. They're just you know, talking about these things like they're real, but they're not real. And um, so I, it must have been frustrating. I don't know how it is nowadays, but I, I, I imagine that there's still a legacy uh, of that sort of, um, sort of folksy treatments and you know, um, things not based on real science. Yeah, and... Uh, conceptualizations of things differently than we would in the States. Like if someone was psychotic, for instance, and delusional, they might have a different explanation than on or, an organic brain disorder, right? That's true. And, and you know, at the And same- of course, I just want to say Central America is different from is Colombia. Different, yeah, sure. But uh, uh, close enough in terms of different than the United States in all likelihood, right? Yeah, I actually, I think probably in a lot of those countries, meaning uh, sort of the poorer 
American countries. Um, th- I think that there's a, a big schism between people with money and people without money, right? And people yeah. with money tend to have better education. They tend to be surrounded by people with better education. I, I remember most of the country was and is still rural, rural, the rural juror. <laughs> and it is therefore not as, um, you know, advanced in these matters. But I will say that in the big cities, especially like Bogota, um, in but, some, which is where you're from, which is where I'm from. In some ways there is more professionalism than sometimes I see even here, Yeah, but that's a minority area and a minority of people. Right. I think a lot of the country is, is poor and not as well informed and more susceptible to, to pseudo stuff. But in, in Bogota, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't have as the same idea about mental health and, and receiving counseling services as you would in Seattle. Right? You know, I don't know nowadays. I, I remember that my impression growing up was certainly that normal people don't need mental health stuff. Right. So now that's the same United States. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if the United States is where it should be in terms of not having stigma. But from my impression, Colombia and other and other countries in Central and South America have a greater stigma. Although I think in Argentina, it's the stigma is much less. Uh, so there's pockets, I think. But anyway, people email me about this all the time because as a podcaster, this goes out to everyone in the world, and so people will contact me and and often say this that. And they'll actually ask, I just got another email from another person today asking to hire me as their therapist, and they live in a different country. And ethically speaking and practically speaking, it's just not possible for me to do that. And I always feel bad because if they lived in – because so some people in Seattle will contact me. My my practice is currently too busy to accept any new people, and so when I – Tell someone in Seattle, I'm sorry, my practice is closed. I know I can give them 20 names of people that I know personally right. that will be great for them. But someone in, for instance, Central America, I, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what to say. Right. You know, basically, I, I just have to say I'm really sorry. I can't do anything because they'll ask me for help, and I say I'm sorry, I can't be your clinician, and I don't even know how to find clinicians in your yeah. area. This isn't to say that there aren't directories. I'm guessing that there are. You know, I mean, if you compare it to Seattle, there's no question. But um, as I said, it's a very superstitious culture. So there's a and there's a lot of religion involved in things. So people will just as soon literally bring you some rosary or something and be like, you know, I really I prayed to this thing and it helped me or or just climb. You know, in Bogota, there's this mountain, uh, Mount Monserrate. And there's this little crucifix at the top. And so, so like, oh, climb Monserrate and say some prayers. I'm, I'm telling you, it does wonders, you know, stuff like that. How long does it take to climb that mountain? Um, it's quite a hike. I mean, it's, it's and it's already, you're already at altitude when you start, you know, 9,000 feet. I think by is the time Bogota, 9,000 feet? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a hike. It's hard. Yeah. Some people can't make it. Uh, but anyways. Is my, it like a day or is it like 10 days? Uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's not like Mount Rainier. It's, it's within a day you, you do it. You go up and down. Yeah. But it's still, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Um, my, my general point is that the more I... You did, you the question, did you ever do it? Did you ever... Uh, yeah, as a kid, I, I climbed up. Did it fix anything? 
<laughs> yeah, sure. No, not at all. Oh. Um, but I, it's because I didn't know at the time. If I had known, it would have fixed it. It fixed a problem that you didn't know about. Yeah. Probably. So in general, I think, yes, there's more superstition. Now, when you compare it against the entirety of the U.S., then I start being not so sure. Because I've been in more recent years disappointed with the the low, you know, the level of sophistication in parts of this country as well. Yeah, what I'll say to listener Ricardo is, yeah, it sucks, and I feel really bad for you. Uh, let's just go into some statistics here before going into some advice. So I, I gather some census statistics from Mexico and from the United States. I couldn't find any from mm -hmm. Central America or from Colombia, but I did find from Mexico. And, uh, and again, not to lump everything in together in the same, but just to provide some contrast. So in the United States, how many, how many uh, clinicians of various different professions are there per 100,000 people in the, in, the, in the United States? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'd say for 100,000, for every 100 people, there's one. So 1,000. A, th a thousand, so so a thousand a thousand clinicians per every hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Yeah. It's it's actually much less than that. It's it's about ten percent of that. It's it's one hundred and fifty eight. Yeah. Really? Actually, that's that's few. <laughs> yeah, it's not that many. Yeah. But to put it in perspective, there are there are about uh, let's see. So I got it down to let's see. There's there's about twenty. There's sorry. There's about 240 physicians, mm. you know, physical doctors sure. per one per 100,000 people. So so there's about half the amount of counselors, psychologists, social workers as there are. It's not as bad when you think of it. Physicians, way. right? So and you wouldn't say there's like a physician shortage in the United States, right. you know. I guess it only sounds bad if you thought everyone needs to see a doctor. Stat, then right. you run into a problem, right? And I'm a bit surprised because that I would have thought there were much less counselors, psychologists and than there were physicians. Mm -hmm. I, I would have uh, I would have thought that it would be like one percent, but it's 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 about sixty to seventy percent, which I think is is really great. Um, so in Mexico, how many how many Clinic, clinical people are there per 100,000 people. So, United States, there's 158. What do you think in Mexico? <sighs> 70, no, 50 per. So, according to a rough guess that I that I found, there's three. <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Right. So, because it's kind of hard to figure out, I don't really know the, the different professional labels that they have in Mexico. But I do know there are three psychiatrists per 100,000, whereas the United States, there's 10. So the United States has has more than three times the amount of psychiatrists per, you know, per person. Uh, but when it comes to other kinds of mental health professionals, social workers, counselors, there's 0.2 social worker types per 100,000 people oh, as compared to just marriage and family therapists, there's eight per 100,000. So, so there's basically 
you know, hardly any counselor types and mostly psychiatrists. And there's still not probably enough psychiatrists because I have a hard time believing that Mexicans have a drastically, you know, lesser rate of mental illness, you know, like schizophrenia or ADHD or something. And so now I know there are statistics regarding that, but uh, at any rate, so just to run down the different professions, the, the, what do you think the most, so there are different professions. There's substance abuse counselors, there's social workers, there's mental health counselors, there's psychologists, there's marriage and family therapists, and there's psychiatrists. Which ones do you think are the most, most numerous in the United States? Um, psychologists? Uh, no, they're third. What? Okay. Uh, so just therapists then, General. What, kind, what kind of therapists? <clears throat> um, so you got social workers, mental health counselors, and mental defense. health counselors. Uh, they are uh, they're number four. What? Yeah. Okay. So the, mo- the the most numerous <laughs> is psychiatrists because oh really? When you when you break out the different professions, psychiatrists mm-hmm. they're the only medical doctors. I see. So they're the only ones who can prescribe medication, and so there needs to be a lot of them. Okay. okay. Uh, and but then if but if you add up all the other clinicians, they far outweigh the number of psychiatrists. If that makes sense. I see. So psychiatrists, there's thirty four thousand United States social workers, which include. Oh wait a second, I have this all wrong. Psychiatrists are not the most numerous. I had this list backwards. You're actually right. Psychologists are the most numerous. Oh. <laughs> at forty three per one hundred thousand. Oh. And again, it compared that to three psychiatrists per 100,000 in, in Mexico. Um, so you're right. Psychologist, number one. And then number two, we have social workers doing mental health or substance oh, abuse. Cool. And then okay, number three, we have counselors, which you identified as pretty high up there. Number four, we have substance abuse counselors. Number five, we have psychiatrists. And number six, we have mental we I have was marriage su- and family therapists. I was surprised about psychiatrists because that takes so long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a justification for it in my mind, apparently, because I said it, but then it wasn't true. Anyway, um, so here's some solutions that we can all do. I I personally contribute to Doctors Without Borders, and they actually fund mental health services to people all over the world. So if you're worried about people in other Mm. countries, you can contribute to Doctors Without Borders. And know that at least part of it's going to mental health, but that probably doesn't address people's ongoing therapy needs because I'm guessing that Doctors Without Borders doesn't provide you know weekly therapy. It's just it's, sure. that's just a guess of mine. I don't know, but I'm also guessing that as online therapy becomes more prevalent, more people will get the services that they need. Uh, I've done some episodes on Talkspace, which. Uh, I'm fairly certain provides services to people all over the, all over the world. It's that costs something, which, you know, might be harder for people in poor uh, areas, but uh, I wonder if they'll actually start providing some pro bono services. It seems like something that they, they might do, but honestly, what I would do if I was listener Ricardo and I could not find a counselor in my area is I would do what he's already doing. He's trying to help himself. Yeah. He's trying to figure out because you can definitely help yourself without ever going to a counselor. I myself have striven, strived, strove (laughs) to, to better myself, to reduce my own suffering, 
to reduce my own anxiety about things, to improve my mood, to improve my energy and all those kinds of things. And I would say 10% of that involved actually going to therapy. Other kinds of things are uh, depending on the issue because, you know, if you're if you have schizophrenia, there's there's not a lot of self-help books out there that are going to help you. But but if it's depression, anxiety or trauma or this kind of thing, you uh, can do a lot for yourself by getting good sleep, exercise and a diet. Right. A lot of things can be at least mitigated by that. You can educate yourself, as listener Ricardo is doing, by listening to this podcast, which is an excellent podcast to listen yeah. to, I must say. Because if it doesn't drive you nuts, then it cures you. Yeah, it kills fire with fire. <laughs> also, I mean, for myself, a major part of my own recovery from anxiety was educating myself about what anxiety is. Mm. What's the physiological underpinnings? What's the research? What are other people doing? Um, also getting support, join a subreddit. There are active communities on Reddit for all of these things, anxiety, depression, whatever you want to talk about. Join 4chan. That's right. <laughs> also talk with other people. Again, maybe online. You want to get support. That doesn't, you know, presumably cost anything. Also, you want to build quality relationships with other people. This is a key element in any mental health issue and can all also correct for uh, trauma, relational trauma issues. Also, think about what thoughts and behaviors can be changed that will help whatever sort of goal you're working on. So you want to think, you want to become aware of what your mind does and the and the the consequences of having certain kind of thought patterns and behaviors. When I involve myself with that particular friend, I feel terrible afterwards, you know, I should start thinking about that. Right. Also, also, just reading self-help books. Self-help books get a bad rap, but honestly, I've never come across a self-help book that I thought was just like utterly terrible for you. You could probably find many self-help books that are probably worthless, but you're not going to find a lot of self-help books. And uh, there are some, but you're not going to find a lot that are actually damaging to you. And at the very least, it just gives you something to think about. So, so, and there's things online, you know, that you can read. Is it healthy to make a cardboard cutout of yourself and talk to yourself for a few hours while on the couch? Actually, it's not not of yourself, but of a therapist. You know, you can get a cardboard cutout of me. There's pictures of me online, <laughs> and just uh, put put a cardigan on me, and <laughs> and then do you run behind the cardboard cutout? Cut the lips and put your lips through it and talk like you're you. And does that help? I feel like we're going down kind of a sexual road <laughs> of some kind. I just, this, I just, I feel, I smell the, the beginnings. Okay. The last thing I'll say is we all need to do what we can to reduce stigma regarding any kind of mental health issue or the need for counseling. Because the other thing is here, I'm not just talking about diagnoses because a lot of counseling involves things like just just get getting support about what you're going through in life and has nothing to do with a mental illness. I would say all of my clients currently, the, the mostly what we're talking about has nothing to do with a mental disorder. Right. It's because, you know, it's things like uh, marriage problems, parenting problems. And like coping job, with life. Job problems. Yeah. Um, take, you know, what do I do with the next step of, in my life problems? 
that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, but we all need to do what we can to reduce, to reduce the stigma of mental illness and of just wanting help and talking to a counselor because this will help uh, people to step forward because you know in these areas in Mexico and Central America, Colombia, there are people that want to talk to someone or they would benefit by talking to someone but stigma is either keeping them in denial or keeping them from actually reaching out. And so if we reduce that stigma, which we've been trying to do on this podcast, you can, I mean, our little part of it, people will start stepping forward. Then a market starts to grow. And then people start saying, hey, there's money to be made in this. And then you have more and more counselors getting yeah. trained and an industry is born. I mean, there was a time in the United States when there were zero counselors and zero psychiatrists, zero psychologists. The reason why we have a market is because of small incremental cultural and industry and governmental and institutional and educational changes that slowly build an industry. And and every society is capable of doing those same things. Would it help if we tattooed all these people with like tattoos of broken brains that were very visible? So when people see them walking down the streets, they could be like, oh, you need help mentally. Let me not stigmatize you. Yeah, you joke. But honestly, that would uh, it's absurd, but it <laughs> would help because everyone would be walking around with a tattoo. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, OK, so uh, we're at the end of the episode, but uh, I'm going to uh say start and then i'm gonna and then you say stop and whoever i stop on is gonna get some swag so patrons so go i'm we're scrolling stop okay juliet juliet where is quebec oh quebecois uh yeah so juliet you will be getting some swag in the mail Roberto, any final thoughts on this issue here? Well, you've uh, opened my mind that uh, I didn't even think about the fact that it might be harder to get the help you need depending where you live. Um, I sort of take Seattle for granted sometimes when it comes to that. Yeah, in some ways, Seattle is one of the most saturated societies with counselors. In fact, when I advise recent grads when they want to start a private practice, I I will always tell them you might want to consider opening up a practice outside of Seattle because in in some ways there's too many therapists in in Seattle and just outside of Seattle, like in Bellevue, Issaquah, Everett, these areas, there's, there's, there's not as much per capita. And so you, you, you have an easier time growing a practice, but you have to live in Bellevue or Everett or, right. you know what I mean? Or commute. backwater places. <laughs> yeah. Or commute there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which are, is not always pleasant. But I know people who do that. I, I, a colleague of mine actually lives in Seattle and she commutes to her office in Issaquah oh. and uh, she really likes it. So maybe move to San Francisco to save on rent. Yeah. And that's another society that is saturated. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for writing in, listener Ricardo. Keep us updated on your situation. And take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>